Hello and welcome to Discussing Disability, a podcast hosted by Arkansas Support Network. I'm Sayer Devins. I'm the CEO at Arkansas Support Network. And this podcast is an ongoing conversation where we invite guests to sit down with us who are friends, family, partners, affiliates of Arkansas Support Network. And we talk about all things disability, which really is all things life. And so today I'm excited because we are talking about direct support professionals. So with me today, I have three guests. I have Reed, who is a direct support professional at ASN and has been a direct support professional for a really long time in a lot of different innovative kinds of roles. And I have Devana, who has been a direct support professional and is currently a frontline supervisor. And I have Roy, who receives services and supports from direct support professionals. And so this is probably my favorite topic, something I spend a lot of my time talking about on a regular basis and something that I'm really excited to get the perspectives of everybody at this table as we talk about it today. So can we start off with some introductions? Tell us who you are, a little bit about yourself, how long you've been with ASN, any fun fact that you would like Roy us Edmonds. to know. So I'm autistic. Roy, you want to start? I'm 35 years old, I think. And well, I've been in ASN for a long time. I can't even remember um, from the day I used to be with my grandparents. But when I passed away, my uncle passed away. ASN's been taking care of me. James Wilkes, that works in ASN, became my legal guardian. So he's been my legal guardian for a while. And my Uncle Joe's last wish was for James Wills to take care of me. So he's been taking care of me and getting things I need. So, you know, it makes me happy that he's taking care of me and stuff when I just need it. Awesome. You happy makes me happy. <laughs> uh, Devana, you want to introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Devonna Hughes. I've been here going on 12 years, and I'm the oldest of seven. Hello, my name is Reed Roberts. I've been with ASN since 2004 and have had the privilege of take, giving supports to one person primarily that entire time with the addition of a few other people. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming today and being willing to have this conversation. Before we jump into it, let me start by giving a little bit of a technical definition of direct support professional. So at Arkansas Support Network, we provide home and community-based Medicaid waiver services, which is a really specific service type in the disability service spectrum. And so what we do is that we specialize in providing the supports that people need in their homes and in their communities. And we believe that that is the way that all people should be supported, that people have a right to be supported in a way that includes them in their communities and really allows them to live the lives that they choose, not necessarily the lives that we have kind of dictated to them. So it's a unique role and it's often misunderstood because people often think that direct support professionals are the same as nursing home attendants or home health aides or CNAs. And the reality is that what we do is way more complicated than that. We may have some responsibilities in those areas that are similar to nursing home attendants or home health aides or CNAs, but then we have responsibilities that go way above and beyond that. So if I'm a nursing home attendant and I go to work and I go on my shift, there's a set place that I'm providing those services and a set task list that I'm responsible for. So maybe I'm responsible for, you know, meal time and making sure that people get their beds changed and making sure that the room is clean and that people get to their therapy appointments. But it all kind of falls within the boundaries of that shift. The complicated thing, and for me, the exciting thing about being a direct support professional in home and community-based services is that there is no boundaries. Right. We show up in people's lives, regardless of where they live, regardless of how old they are, regardless of what their support needs are. And we ask the question, what do you need from us? Right. What support do you need? What do you want your life to look like? And how can we support you to make that happen? And so it's a really exciting job. It's a fun job. It's never boring. 
but it's also a complicated job. It, there's a complex skill set that's required in order to be able to support a person to navigate all aspects of life in the way that our direct support professionals are asked to do. So I want to start by asking everybody at the table, and we'll go around and take turns, what do you think are the characteristics of a good direct support, a good DSP mean to you? Devonna? Oh, I'm going to go first. <laughs> a good DSP definitely has to have patience, support their individual's choices, because that's what we're here for is supporting their choices. What else? That's willing to compromise. You got to be able to compromise. And... Yeah, that's what I think it is. <laughs> okay. Reed, what about you? To me, being a, a good and a positive DSP, I think realizing that you're the frontline advocate for the person you're providing supports to. Yeah. I like that a lot. And I, like I that too. and I think that's one of the key areas that requires additional skills and additional learning and additional development in our field that maybe isn't necessary in some other fields. You know, we really have to go to bat for the folks that we support often and a lot. And and sometimes I have colleagues that will call me and say, "Why are you doing that? Why are you fighting that fight?" It's only going to bring you some grief as an agency or as a provider. But ASN has always identified our role as first and foremost advocating for the people we support. So that's a great answer. It makes me really proud that you said it, Reed. Yeah, that was a great answer. I agree. Good. Roy, what about you? What does a, a good DSP look like? Well, as I've been watching every day at home, I see staff trying to make sure we do what we need to do. I mean, because I have a roommate, so I have to deal with him, but it's not that bad. But uh, I've seen things go on, and most of the time, even though I'm in my room playing my video games, so. but uh, they try to make sure we do what we need to do to get our stuff done. And we have our, where we'll have kitchen duty one day for me, and then him for bathroom duty, and then after the week is over and it goes from Saturday and Sunday on Monday, it's, we switch it and it's like the other way around and we just keep doing that. But besides that, we, they make sure we like vacuum our rooms and make sure we pick up stuff off our floor if we have a mess on the floor, especially because of me drinking water. So, <laughs> you, yeah, I, I do not believe that you make messes, Roy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, make sure I just do my stuff, you know? Yeah. So yeah, helping you kind of navigate the daily routines of life and interactions. That's definitely a core piece of what DSPs do. Are there things that are really important to you that you feel like your DSPs, good DSPs do a good job of helping you like goals that you've reached or things that you love that you get to do because you're supported well? My staff, Miss Olivia, makes sure I do my stuff. So I think she does a good job doing her job. And as well as James Wilk does a good job of making sure I get my what I need when I need it and taking care of me. And then my staff, Big Bull, taking like care of me by work with me. I go out. We'll do things. We will like go out ripping and running brings around me to uh, rent like all of his people that he has to do and at least that gets me out of the house see what else my staff night shift Johannes takes me out to the movies so I get out the house I watch some movies we go out to eat and... good so there's a theme for you that's really important to you I hear and that is feeling well cared for well supported and that is a really important part of a good DSP. And I think sometimes people don't always understand how to achieve that, right? Like yeah. folks come in. Some people just don't understand how autistic people can feel sometimes when you let them down, like when you treat them and stuff. Yeah, I get that a lot on Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I've, I've 
I've never been in Fortnite, but I'm sure that there's a strong parallel there. One of the things that you said, though, Roy, is makes me want to dig a little bit deeper into this question about feeling cared for and how to make somebody feel cared for. So one of the things that we talk a lot about is DSPs who show up in people's lives and think that their job is to do what's best for a person, and they're not always successful, right? If, if I show up at your house and I think that your life should look a certain way, and I start telling you what you need to do to make your life look a certain way, if that's not how you want your life to look, you don't really respond well to that, right? And so something you, in your first response, Devana, about people's choices, right? Showing up first and foremost and making sure that people are empowered to make choices before you jump in and start trying to support them towards their goals, right? So tell me a little bit about what it looks like to do that. How do you do that? If I get a call and says, I have to go work with this new person, I've never met this person before, and I want to go over and you know really support them in a good way, where do you start? How do you determine what you should be doing when you provide supports to a person? Um, first of all, it's definitely not about you and what you think. But when you first get over there, you definitely have to build a rapport with the person. That's like, for me, that's key is building a rapport. Because if I go in saying you need to do this and you need to do that, they're definitely not going to do what I want them to do. So, and also just having patience with them. Because if you don't have any patience with them, they're definitely not going to do what you you know, what you ask of them. And what I mean by um, supporting their choices, whatever choice they make, that's their choice. We're just here to support that choice, whether it's good or whether it's bad. We can tell them like, this is a bad choice. Don't don't jump off that bridge, but you know, but that's that's their choice. And we have to, we have to support that. You explained half of that of my whole life. <laughs> oh, well, sorry. Well, we, we got to support your choices. I know. I mean, some of the staff, I ask them, I'm doing something like I'm playing Fortnite and there's no pausing in that game until I either die or just win the game. And they're always hurting me to do stuff. And I'm telling them like, hold on, just hold on. I'm trying to like, there's no pause in this game and there's nothing I can do about like doing stuff. Especially if you're getting shot by another player and stuff. And then they just don't listen to me. So if you miss an appointment, that's your choice, right? Because you're playing no, the game. I meant not like an appointment. I meant like something else. Like <laughs> okay. Something not nearly as important. Yes. But but here's the thing, Roy. Like I said, I've never played Fortnite before. I did not know that there was no pause in Fortnite. Yeah, the not all games have pause button where you can stop and do stuff. But some game there's a lot of games that do and some, a lot of games that doesn't. It depends on what kind of game you're playing. Yeah, but if if I'm coming to your house and providing supports, whether I've played Fortnite before or not, that's pretty important information for me to know, right? For me to understand that where you are and what you're trying to do and what you want to accomplish, there's some limitations to just stopping and jumping up and going on somewhere. Yeah, sometimes what I'll do is I'll just drop all the guns and just give them to my friend and just get off sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you kind of accommodate the DSPs in your life. I'm like, I'll just go do this and I'll just like drop all the guns and say, here's all my loot. You just take take it all so I can leave because uh, I'm about to leave. So I was like, I drop all my loot and then I just say that I'll see you later and, and I say bye. So I go back to lobby and then I turn off my game. <laughs> okay. But I, I think that's a really good example of the difference between coming in and doing quote unquote good work as a DSP where I come in and say, hey, you know, these are the things we got to get accomplished today. And so, Roy, it's time to go do these things versus being a, a really good DSP a, that builds that rapport and makes somebody feel cared for. That person's going to understand the way Fortnite works because Fortnite is really important to Roy. And they're going to understand there's no pause in Fortnite. And they're going to make sure that they're supporting Roy on a time schedule that allows him to play Fortnite without having to sacrifice your game or your life or your whatever but also make the important appointments and get to where you need to go. And, you know, for folks that don't do this work, that may seem really subtle and really insignificant. For me, that's the key to greatness when you're talking about being a DSP is really understanding the things that people love and the things that are so important to them 
so you can understand how to support their life around those things, even if those things don't mean anything at all to you. Right. But that that is a good example. That's a good example, Roy. It is. Um, so rapport is something I think you both have either said the word or mentioned, described the concept and read clearly, you know, a thing or two about building rapport with some folks you've supported some folks for a very long time, really the, the length of your career here and, you know, more than a decade. Can you talk to me about building rapport with people and then what that looks like? to have a long-term relationship with folks that you support? I think a couple of keys right off the bat to build rapport, as Devana said, I think it's important when you go in and first interact with a person is to be an active listener and really get in tune with their likes and dislikes and maybe how that relates to their goals. And also being a DSP and providing supports is a fluid process is that people are going to change and their needs and wants are going to change as they age, their medical situation changes and evolves. The DSPs supports have to as well. That's good. That's very good. My thing that I've been, that y'all, y'all three were talking about, um, I have learned that an actual person can actually learn how if a family member and their children can actually bond real better if they play video games together. I actually heard about that. If uh, like a mother and father play video games, they can actually bond and like feel like the connection and understand how the person like is and like how they function and stuff. So if I learned that that's a new technique that they just, they, that I just learned about, that I watched, I think it was on the news or something back in the back in the past. So I just knew that. Actually, I think I heard that before, Roy. Roy, we can create world peace through video games, right? <laughs> VR, just in the in the future. <laughs> awesome. Here comes 20, 20, 30 something in the future. Yeah, we got it. We're on it. We're gonna trademark that, patent it. <laughs> Flying cars came from here first. Yeah, flying cars will have no, uh, we won't have to rely on fuel anymore. I look forward to it. So, Devana, you sit in a pretty unique position. Maybe, well, it's not unique in our field, really. It's pretty common, but <laughs> it's an interesting evolution. It's one that I followed myself. I started out as a DSP. And honestly, I'd rather be a DSP. I think I'm best at being a DSP and all the rest of this stuff, I'm trying to wing it. But, you know, you start out as a direct support professional and you do really, really well at that. And then you get recognized for being a good direct support professional. Mm -hmm. So then you get promoted to a management position, which is pretty much the opposite of being a direct support professional. Right. So all the strengths and gifts um, that make you a good DSP don't necessarily translate. You wind up being a, a frontline supervisor and having to be responsible for DSPs. Mm -hmm. So for a minute, if you put your supervisor hat on and talk to me about developing DSPs, training DSPs, like what are your approaches when you hire someone new and how do you go about training that person, educating that person, folding them into a team, supporting them to be a good DSP? Okay, first, I'm just going to be honest. Now, when a DSP first comes in, I definitely let them know that don't think this is easy. No one here is easy, you know, because we do get that, well, it's easy. I can be chill. No, not really. Nothing. Nothing's easy over here. So I definitely let them know that first. And also, even with DSPs, you have to build a rapport so they can feel comfortable with you. And you got to have patience with some of them, too, because, you know, stuff changes. Like when we when I first started, we was doing paper. And now we're on the computers and you have to be just real patient with DSPs as well. Training them, activity records, trainings in general and just just being there for them. Don't never let them feel like you're not there for them because that's when you'll lose your DSP. Those are all really, really good things. And, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes I think the mistakes that we make in supervising and supporting DSPs is that we don't bring the same kind of 
rapport building and support mindset to our teammates, to the support team, as we do the folks that we support, which seems really silly if we're this good at showing up in people's lives and really supporting them where they're at and working to help them reach the goals that are important to them. We've got really positive skills that we could also apply to the people that work here. And so I'm really excited to hear you make that connection and that that parallel. Read from your perspective, you've been doing this a long time. You've certainly worked with a lot of other DSPs. What do you think is important from the team perspective and being a direct support professional and working with other direct support professionals and how you function as a team? For sure, having a clear and open line of communication with the people you work with to provide supports and realizing that everybody is unique and individual and they're going to find their own way to build rapport, interact, and hopefully connect with the person they give supports. So fun fact, actually Reed is on my team. So shout out to Reed. She's, she's <laughs> boss lady over here. You know, we'll work well together. Princess queen of the, the year. Princess queen of the year. Okay. We're but gonna... seriously, like Reed is, is right. Like, I feel like we got a great rapport, Reed and I. She realizes I'm old and anything technology based, I need a massive amount of help with. You could say uh, that there's a great aura around them. <laughs> That's good stuff. Good stuff. So we talked a little bit about good DSPs and, you know, you're supposed to always stay positive. I, I've never really subscribed to that. I always stay real. And the real is you can't really talk about this work and identify how to do this work well and get better if we're not willing to talk about what's not good, right? What are the characteristics, Roy, I'm going to start with you because you experienced this firsthand, maybe not today, but I know in the time that you've re received services here and you don't have to call any names. We're not trying to, to publicly shame anybody, but I'm curious, what are the characteristics of DSPs that you've worked with that you've had bad experiences with? What makes a bad DSP? Well, I do play my game a lot, and it's it's really, really difficult to get me off my game. And they make me go, like, go walk around. Like, you know, I go to the Boys and Girls Club all the time, and I walk around the lap. Like, sometimes I like to stay home and play because I have these Fortnite challenges going on every day. So uh, I always want to, like, take my time trying to finish those before the season changes which I'm pretty sure it'll be all for that. But there are times where there's that and they want me to get off and I don't want to get off. There's other times where staff just wants me to get out the house and I, sometimes I don't want to get out the house. But, you know, sometimes I do want to get out the house. Sometimes I'll get out the house, but sometimes I don't want to get out the house. But overall, I think sometimes I just have things I don't want to do and there's some things I do want to do. Sometimes they just, they get me to do stuff. They don't understand that I have things on the games sometimes that <laughs> that if you don't finish them before the season's over, you can't get the cool stuff that you get from it. And it's like very difficult to get from the season's battle pass just to get all the good stuff. And you have to get like level 100 to get and then go over level 100 to get the stuff. And then they have the add-on bonus to get those stuff just to get that stuff. And then it's hard to do and the challenges to get that if the staff wants to get you off the game to go do something, something you don't want to do because you want to do something else to fix, like to get all that stuff. And it's like difficult for me sometimes, but. Okay. So can I say some characteristics that I hear in what you're describing and you tell me if, if that's accurate? So based on what you're talking about and experiences that I know you've had, I feel like DSPs that are disrespectful and mean to you in the way that they prompt you to get off the game or other things would be characteristics of a bad DSP. Would you agree with that? Disrespectful and mean? I mean, I don't say they're, that they're bad. I know they're just doing their job. I can understand how they feel. How do you feel, though, when folks are disrespectful to you when they're trying to 
prompt you to do something. It makes me sad. So you don't have to say that's bad. I'll say that's bad. For me, that's bad, right? If somebody's coming in your home and their job is to provide supports to you to live your life the way that you want to live it, and what how they're supporting you is making you feel sad, I will characterize that as bad. I, I respect that you're the type of person that doesn't want to call a DSP bad, and I think that's very honorable of you. I'm going to call that bad. I yeah. guess the reason why I'm like always hooked on my game, it, it probably... T- started back when I was like really little, when the big fat white Game Boy first came out. Then I started working my way up to other games. I remember that big fat white Game Boy. I had one. Yeah, that was like the Tetris, first one. Man. Tetris and Dr. Mario. Uh-huh. And um, Pac-Man. I used to love playing Pac-Man back in the day. That's good. Well, and, and I think the point of that is that, you know, clearly anybody that's tuned in, games are important to Roy. Right. You, you, however long we've been talking. Yeah. Oh, by the way, everyone just to said this announcement. Don't forget that we're having a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament and a game tournament coming up. So don't miss it out on that. That is awesome. Roy. You plugged it. Absolutely. I love that we have a commercial break right here. Uh, no, Roy and some of his Terrell Terrell. Yep have been working to coordinate a game tournament and recorded a commercial, have mapped out the whole thing, spent a lot of time prepping for it. What's the date and time? September. September 2nd. Yeah, 2022. Yep. $5 entry to get you in and you get one drink and one snack. Yes, that's awesome. From 3.30 to 6.30 here at Arkansas Support Network. I got you, Roy. <laughs> I'll be hosting uh, the Smash Brothers and Terrell will be. Okay. Well, and I bet we can get some information up on our uh, Arkansas Support Network Facebook page. So if anybody's interested in learning some more, they can go there for that. I'm going to be happy to do this because I'm going to be like the one at the very end. They'll have to like work their way up to get to me because I'll be like the boss at the end. It'd be like some video games that have like a boss at the end. Uh-huh. I'll be the boss at the end. They got to face me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I don't even care about the prize. I just care about having fun because when they go against me, it makes me learn more and it makes me get more experience to learn about them as well, of how good they are. So Awesome. So definitely gaming is Roy's love language yeah. and I get it. It sounds good. Talking about that gives me even more sight for it. I see. I see. It makes me excited. So can we come out of commercial break and go back to the DSP conversation? Yes, back to this. Can I ask you a question before we before I kick it over to Devana and Reed to talk about negative experiences with DSPs and things that don't work and things that make bad DSPs? I want to ask specifically about, I because I know your current DSP, Olivia, has done a lot of work with you in helping you coordinate this gaming tournament, right? Yes. Is that correct? Can you tell me a little bit about how she has supported you to do that? How she's been helpful in helping you plan this tournament? Um, we got up in the morning, had to come upstairs. We had to work on it, like film it. We, first, we had to like read our notes and stuff to where we can get it ready. But it was like, it felt like two hours almost to me that we kept doing this because we kept messing up. But uh, we, we actually got it done. So that actually makes me happy. Yeah, it makes me happy, too. I came back from a meeting and my office had been taken over with cue cards and rehearsals. So I know that she and green screens. Right. I know I got to witness firsthand her really working to help you achieve that task of making a commercial, which is really it was hard for me because I felt camera shy a little bit. Yeah. Because I was, this is the first time I ever was like talking and like doing stuff in front of people. So it's not very often I'll just talking like in front of a lot of people and stuff. Like there's very so often I'll even sing around people, but it's, it's like a very rare thing for me. Yeah. Well, I appreciated Olivia's approach to how she supported you to do that because I felt like the cue cards were really helpful in kind of you were able to focus on those and not necessarily focus on the anxiety of talking to a camera. And she was kind of holding them up and prompting and keeping you on track. And 
I think that you guys make a really good team together, and I like to watch you work together. Yeah, a, um, and Big Bull, a.k.a. Chris Charles, worked with me <laughs> even longer in ASN, so. Yeah, you've got some folks that have worked with you for a really long time. Yeah, so it's been like Miss Olivia and Big Bull have been working with me for a very long time, so. All right, so enough of that good, warm, fuzzy stuff. Let's let's go back to the problems. Let's go back to the challenges. And one of the reasons why I think it's really important for us to have this conversation is that, you know, this isn't McDonald's, where if you come in and you do things that are identified as a bad worker, maybe you burn some fries, right? But it's not the end of the world. This is people's lives that you're showing up in and you're working in and when you come in with the wrong mindset and you have the wrong attitude and you do the wrong things there are really significant consequences to that and you know Roy talked about you know feeling sad when people are disrespectful in the way that they prompt him to do the things that he needs to do even if he knows he needs to do those things it still makes him feel sad when people treat him that way even though I know they're just doing their job. Sure. Still, you, feelings are real, man. And how you feel is how you feel. And so, you know, I think it's important. We really talk about some of the missteps and some of the mistakes that you've seen people make and, and really what the characteristics of someone who comes in and does this job poorly. What does that look like? Um, not listening and doing what you want to do. That can be a real bad for the individual depends on who the individual is but yeah not listening to them and doing whatever you want to do on your time you're going to fail completely i would agree that dsps when you show up for your shift putting your wants and needs ahead of the person you're supporting usually does not turn out very good also taking a one size fits all approach to all the folks you support just because you support somebody at one household during the week and A, B, and C work for them doesn't necessarily mean that same approach is going to work somewhere else. That's true. Yeah, I think that's good. As DSPs, Reed and Devana, what are some of the most significant challenges that you faced in supporting folks? I mean... Boy, Devana and I have seen a lot of these, but first of all on that, I'd like to say, I think how we handle people's bad days, tough times, and mental health rust spots is probably can be the most fulfilling aspect of being a DSP. When you are providing supports to somebody at their lowest point in their roughest time, you know, showing them you're loyal, you're going to stick with them and work the process until they get better, uh, I think really means a lot to them. And that, That's definitely true. And for me, age, they, when they get older, it gets difficult. Right. To transition into, you know, care for the elderly and change your supports to that and maybe even eventually talking about a memory care plan, whereas 10 years ago you were talking something else. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to go there, even though I know it's probably a difficult subject to talk about, but both of you have experienced loss in this work, right? You've supported people, you've loved people, you've cared about them, and you've, you've lost them. And, you know, one of the things that I say a lot and we, in uh, coming episodes, we have a whole episode that's devoted to death, dying, end of life supports and what that looks like for us here. And I say it a lot and I believe it completely is that if we really are devoted and committed to supporting people to live a, a good quality of life, we have to be devoted and committed to supporting people to die a good quality of life. And that, for me, that is always the toughest part. It's always, you know, showing up and navigating the challenges of life. I think in those moments, you may think, man, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. But it's really not until you get to that place where you lose someone that you've been so focused on supporting that, you know, you wake up in the morning and you think about what their needs are and how you can support them to meet those needs. And you leave work thinking about what tomorrow's going to look like and how 
you're going to support them, you know, with the challenges that come. And, you know, those things seem hard at the time, but they're, they're nothing compared to having to say goodbye to that person. And I certainly don't want to put anybody on the spot, but I'd love to get your perspective on that piece of the job. Me personally, I don't think you're ever going to be ready to say goodbye. But, you know, us both having been through that, there's a flip side of that. There's other people you could support that it's amazing they're still alive as well. And you're always probably, or at least for me, going to think about that person every day forever. It's just part of what we do. Yeah. It's like you can always be ready to get up in the morning, think about them, and knowing the sunshine will always shine. And you'll be knowing that you can just go on with your uh, day. That's great, Roy. You're totally right. And I think if you focus on the support you can give to the people you're trying to help that day and doing the very best you can with that is the best thing you can do. Just got to remember God watching over them up in heaven and he's watching you. So he's making sure you're doing the right thing and doing what you're doing. So, yeah, I think one of the things that, that has become really important to me over the years is just recognizing that, you know, there's a space in this world that DSP sit that, not everybody will fill, right? There are people that will live this life and they'll never sit kind of in that space of caring about a person and really learning how to come in and, and leave yourself at the door and leave your wants and needs at the door and focus on supporting an individual and getting to watch them grow and develop and become better and also getting to watch them fall on their face and navigate the challenges of life. And I think you know, for me, when I get to that place where, you know, we have to say goodbye to that person, reflecting on kind of the specialness of that space that I got to sit in and the relationship that I got to have and really the way that my life is different because that person was in it is probably the best coping <laughs> mechanism that I've ever developed to be able to navigate that journey. It's definitely a challenge, but it's also something that think is a gift and I think that not everybody gets gifts like that so I'll uh I'll transition us away from <laughs> from such a difficult topic please <laughs> I mean it's not that bad about me because my grandparents and my uncle died I still have my actual mother and then my dad which I never really knew but I have him and then I have my my brother Charles that's my half-brother and then I have like my other uncle, which lives in Michigan. So I still have family members at least. And I have like tons and tons of cousins in Dallas, Texas. So at least I have family still alive. Lots, lots of good supports. That's yes. a good thing. Definitely. I'm interested, Devonna and Reed, both about how you got into this, how you wound up as a DSP. For me, it's crazy because I was looking for a job and someone was like, well, have you heard of Arkansas Support Network? And I was like, no. So I'll fill out application and here I am. And that was how many years ago? 12? Yeah. 12. She was just looking for the business to help people out probably. Yeah. Or, you know, a paycheck. Sometimes a paycheck. that's what brings us here. That's what brought me here. But you know what they say, that it's just a thought that counts. <laughs> I, I think for myself, first and foremost, it was being a person with a disability. I have cerebral palsy, but in very lucky to be pretty able-bodied and get around pretty good. And then the second thing was right after college, I worked with the state rehabilitation services focusing on vocational rehabilitation. And my thing was employment services and job placement. And I got to see through that how big of a difference having a competitively employed job could make in a person's life with a disability what was a little bit much for me, though, was having a caseload of 100 plus folks that you're trying to help at one time. So to me, one of the things I like and appreciate best out of being a DSP is being able to focus only on a few people at one time. And, and putting all awesome. the effort into that. And I and think that's a good segue into, into asking you about kind of the multiple roles that you play. So you have been a DSP, kind of started out as a DSP, 
And that has evolved into now you're actually what we call an adult companion provider. So can you describe that and tell us what that's like? Right. For the last seven years, I've been an adult companion provider, which is a kind of a nice way to say that you have people that actually live with you. So you're not their guardian, but you have a lot of input over all of their supports, whether it be what doctor they see, who their psychiatrist is, maybe even some input on medications and things like that, and input on staff. So to me, the difference is having more of a long-term holistic outlook and approach to what we're doing instead of just making it to the end of the shift. And you're good at it, by the way. <laughs> it's always good when you have a supervisor that will give you your roses. I think that's a really good way to frame it. You know, a lot of people will talk about adult companionship services or what we call care and training, which is basically specialized foster care for kids. It's the same kind of process where you, you go through this process, you get your home licensed, and then you have essentially a roommate that moves in or a couple roommates and they live in your home. You share the home, you share the refrigerator, you share the bathrooms, you know, all of the, those the kinds kitchens, of things. The living rooms. Yeah. The whole thing, the housework and the, um, you know, the pay to pay the house. <laughs> yeah, you have to absolutely. Split your money, split the money you have and put it yeah. for the bills and stuff. There are some financial components to it. So adult companion providers get a daily rate stipend, which is like a companionship pay. And then there's some room and board payments, that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think we oftentimes just frame it as like a roommate situation. It's easy for me because I don't just pay for mine, but what my roommate Travis, he pays not just for his money that they have, but he has a job. So he's just, I think that he's, I don't know if he uses his money to help out with the, the bills, but, you know, he has a job. So, yeah. So a big barrier for a lot of folks with disabilities living in the community is financial restrictions, housing, accessing, you know, affordable housing and being able to cover your bills and all those things. And so there are different ways in which we kind of approach that here at ASN and being creative. Roy's talking about a situation where he has a roommate who also receives services from ASN and yeah. they split the bills. Adult Companion provides that opportunity for some folks as well. Yeah. It's like some people in ASN can actually, they actually have jobs too. They actually go do jobs. Like my roommate, for instance, he works at a Walmart that's near my home. So he has a job. And, and he loves a, to work. He loves yeah. his job. I have a friend named Ricky and he has like three jobs. <laughs> he has, works at Popeye's, this one other place. And, and a new one in any, and a, any and given Buffalo day. Wild Wings. <laughs> Yeah. Reed, you were going to say something. I was just going to add to me the the best part of our adult companion care and training program is so many of the individuals that we support didn't necessarily come from the best family background and family living situations. And maybe this will provide them the opportunity to be included in more of a positive family setting, which is going to help so many other areas of their life. I agree. Yeah. So a little bit of a pivot. One of the things that I spend a lot of my time is really the bigger system level trying to legitimize the profession because I have done it. I started working at ASN when I was 19 as a DSP, did that for years. I love that work. And I, I recognize that it is complex, complicated work. It's not entry-level kinds of stuff. It's not glorified babysitting. It's not the stuff that you just show up and learn by shadowing someone. That there are really specific skills and there are really specific kind of progression of learning those skills and putting those skills into place. And so the idea that our service industry pays a, a reimbursement rate that is based around minimum wage is a problem and it really makes being able to have the workforce necessary to provide good quality services a challenge and i know that both of you have experienced over the years and currently the consequences of you know us not being able to afford to be competitive right we right currently 
Everybody under the sun pays more than us. McDonald's pays more than us. Amazon pays more than us. Walmart pays more than us. And we have some unique situations where we have folks like Travis that are working at Walmart using a job coach to get to and from and, and be supported to make sure that he's successful in his work. And the likelihood is that often he's making more than the job coach that's providing the support to be able to ensure that he can maintain that job. So it's definitely a problem. And I spend pretty much uh, 85% of my time banging on desks and raising my voice about that issue because it is a really important issue. And we will make progress in that. If I don't accomplish anything else in my career, we will get to a place where we can pay a competitive wage for direct support professionals. And we're starting to see some of those things kind of trickle in. Currently, we are in the process of receiving some ARPA funding, the American Rescue Plan Act, that's focused on recruitment bonuses. So we have a campaign that started advertising this job for people who are interested in a job with a $1,000 recruitment bonus. And so one of the things that I'm interested from you all is you know, as we're marketing that, as we're advertising $1,000 recruitment bonus, what are the things that you would say to people as to why you should come pick this job, right? You know, knowing that today the rate might not be what it needs to be, it will be that in the future sooner than later. And that is my promise. But today, now's a good time. You come, you apply, you start working, you work for I think 90 days you get $500 you work and then at 6 months you get the other $500. What are the reasons besides just a thousand bucks that this is a place you should come? I mean, at least you're doing the job to help the people and you know, like I said, it's the thought that counts. So helping people who have disabilities is actually good because you're helping them like get better at what they need to do and stuff like that, you know? Listen. Honestly, like for me, I'm going to tell them, once you see an individual accomplish a goal, I know Terrell and Roy, they had just met. And when I tell you that made me happy, like, I was like, yes, like, they just clicked. Once you see them accomplish a goal, do something that they want to do, meet new people, see the smiles on their faces, like, you're going to want to do this. It's not going to even be, yes, you're going to need money. Everybody need money. But it's not going to be mainly about the money anymore. It's going to be like, this person is happy where he's at. It's like you're brightening their day. Yes. For me. For me. I would sell that like that. Like, once they reach a goal, you really, it's not even about the money anymore. You're going to be so happy that you were involved in helping someone reach that goal. It's going to be crazy. You're going to love it. I couldn't agree with Devonna more. That is the real pay. But when you're talking to people about getting into this line of work, you have to be able to show them, you know, how they're going to make a living and support themselves off of it. So I think on a national level, there's some things going on right now that are new and great and really, really progress for us as a career instead of just a job. And I think, you know, with uh, the National Association of Direct Support Professionals, with their eBadge Academy, being able to have a meritocracy where you can earn your way into different levels of DSPs and grow from a one to a two to a three and get paid accordingly as you go. I think also with my vocational rehabilitation background, that everything was based on what is the job title you're looking for in the DOT, in the Directory of Occupational Titles. We still don't have a standardized occupational classification. Like if you go in and say, I want to be a phlebotomist, well, everybody knows what that is. Now that nationally we've settled on direct support professional, I think that's a huge way in a huge step forward and, and change.org is trying to help us lobby and get a standard occupational classification for what we do. But back to what Devana says, seeing a person you support accomplish or achieve something that they didn't think was attainable because of maybe the support you gave or the little things you did, 
that could be uh, getting a job and getting that first paycheck or becoming employment of the month or having a successful personal relationship with another person, girlfriend, boyfriend, partner, whatever. That's where the real success is. Yeah, I love that. It's like when you go to a job and then someone, with like you're with your staff, but then someone says, who's this with you? And you say, this is my staff. He's, he's my from ASN. They're like, ASN? And we're like, yeah, it's Arkansas Support Network for people who have disabilities. And it's a good place because it's helping people who have needs. And then there's a lot of people's like, oh, that's cool because you have someone helping you out and taking care of you to, you know, your needs that you have to get, like they're taking care of your needs that you have disabilities for. They're just doing what they can to make sure you get everything you're doing right, making sure you're doing what you need to do to get your job and your day going and stuff and how to end your day and whatnot. Well, I love all of that. I particularly love the way you frame the description of ASN, Roy. It makes me proud that that's how you identify your supports and that's how you feel about your supports. I I do think, you know, again, me personally, Devana, your path was similar. You know, this was just a job. I was young and looking for a job. And I came here specifically because the hours worked, right? I was going to school. I was doing a lot of social life extracurricular activities, and that was really my priority. And I needed somewhere to get a paycheck in between those things. And there was a nice fit um, with an afternoon shift Monday through Friday at ASN. But it, it really was in those first days kind of going in and learning about a person, you know, showing up. I was intuitive enough to show up and just listen and learn but learning about a person, learning about what was important to them and learning about what they wanted to accomplish and then really experiencing that growth, that development, that achievement, that joy that people gained access to in their lives and just getting to be a part of that was, you know, it's it kind of intoxicating a little bit. It really was something that I didn't have to make any choices after that, right? It's like when you get up in the morning, just helping them that makes them have that first smile that gets you through your day, right? Absolutely, absolutely. It's like crazy how I got an ASN. I had like a troubled life after my grandparents died. It was like half the time when I was with my grandparents, I had like my brother, he had anger problems. They were put in so many like places, like Simmers, like Children's Hospital, Arkansas State Hospital and all that. But the time I got put in an ASN is one time I went to Arkansas State Hospital and they were trying to get me because my grandparents passed away and all that. My uncle was the only one alive still at the time. And I was in Arkansas State Hospital and they were looking for like a place for me to live, to get out of that and live into an actual home. And I had this one home and then it didn't work out well as well as the second home. But then James Wilkes came and he told me about Arkansas Support Network and told me that because I have disability, he told me that he could take care of me and put me in Arkansas Support Network where they can take care of me and make sure I get my stuff done and, and I can actually have a an actual home. And then I said, yeah, that'd be great. And then that's how I got an ASN. And it just makes me happy that I have someone and I have a place I can stay and I can have like a place I can call home. Yeah. Yeah, it is your home. And that was probably 15 years ago or more-ish. Yeah, but it kind of sucked how my, like, later on my uncle died, and I didn't even notice that until until the day after he died, so. It's hard sometimes. Yeah, I know. I also want to kind of come back to what Reed said, because, Reed, actually, can you tell us just a little bit about the role that you have with the NADSP? I'm just on the advisory council, and... We meet every few months and kind of get some national goals. I think the most important thing we do is trying to keep everybody really in North America that does this as a profession. It's important that we all call ourselves the same job title and are trying to achieve the same goals professionally would be the main thing. Yeah. 
it always makes me excited when people plug things in the conversation that usually I'm the one that's ranting about. So we're extremely proud of Reed representing ASN, representing Arkansas, the entire state of Arkansas, on the NADSP Advisory Council. NADSP is the National Alliance for Direct Support Professionals, and they're an advocacy organization that's been working for a really, really long time to draw attention to this profession to, you know, I used the word earlier, legitimize the DSP profession and NADSP has been working on that for decades, really, and really are kind of the reason why we're at this place where I say confidently, we're going to make changes in this. And we've partnered with NADSP for a long time. We were the first provider organization in Arkansas to start training with them and bringing them into the state and offering DSP certifications. And so some of that career laddering that you mentioned, there are things that we're working on doing here of building some rungs on those ladders. And so creating positions that are kind of specialty positions. One of those that we've been focused on is intensive support needs. So for those folks that we support who have a complex level of behavioral health support need, that there are folks who maybe are duly diagnosed with both an intellectual disability and also a mental health disability and need a lot of intensive supports, we've created a category of DSPs that gets reimbursed at a higher rate that also requires DSP certification and receives support from a broader support team with our behavioral health services, really trying to build out the you know, that next level of professionalism in that complex skill set that we talk about. We're also looking at doing the same thing with enabling technology as that becomes a new service in Arkansas, as that rolls out, really creating an ET DSP, an enabling technology DSP specialty that gives people the, the opportunity to advance and promote in their career while still being able to do what they're really, really good at and what they love doing, which is be a DSP. And so I'm thrilled that we have NADSP as partners in this work and helping us kind of identify the next steps as we go. And I'm, I'm extremely glad that we have someone representing ASN so well as a part of that project. As we think about winding down and wrapping this conversation up, I'm curious, if there's anything that we haven't talked about that you feel like if we're talking about direct support professionals, it's important that we say, important that we, you know, put it out to the universe, anything that you would like to close with about DSPs, Roy? I just think that everyone out there should understand that because that everyone is like built in God's image. Everyone who lives out there in the world you always have to understand that people who have disabilities, they have lives too. It's just like when they said that about gingers having those souls, they do have souls. They have lives like, just like autistic people have lives. And you have to remember everyone has a life to live. You always have to treat them with respect. And if you treat them with respect, or if you treat us with respect, or any person that has a life, autistic, Ginger people who actually do have souls because they're actually people, anyone, you have to remember they matter too. You have to remember to treat them with respect and they'll teach you respect. Just care about them and they care about you. Understand how they feel because they they have a life, they have a soul, they they matter too. So as long as you understand that, then you know, you have no problem out in the world, you know? That's wise, wise words. What about you, Devana? I think we covered it, but, you know, just we appreciate every DSP. Yes. For me, it would be uh, not letting certain issues divide us. I think everybody's been challenged the last 30 months with COVID. And I think vaccine hesitancy has been a huge issue in our profession and how we're going to deal with that and how different people react. And one thing I've learned and you were talking about an advocacy earlier, banging on the table. Sometimes if you really get stuck on one thing and you bang on the table too often and too hard, nobody hears you anymore. Thanks for pointing out my flaws there. <laughs> yeah. It's like being stuck in a padded room, just bang on it and no one can hear you. 
Absolutely. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And, you know, one of the things that I think is really exciting right now is that there is always opportunity in crisis. And one of the things we started saying internally here, you know, in about mid 2020 was let's not waste a crisis, right? There's an opportunity. The world is different today than it was yesterday. And we're having to adjust and adapt and to change. And so in that, there's an opportunity to adjust and change for the better. Like COVID. Absolutely. That's COVID is exactly what I'm referring to. It's been to. worse than a killing and all that stuff. COVID's been like getting really bad lately. Yeah. It's like what, like three COVID versions now? Just like that's getting really bad out there. So y'all There's people out there gotta watch yourself, keep your mask on, which I better keep my mind. <laughs> but uh yeah, and be careful, be safe out there. Yep. Yeah, be safe. That's a good thing. Remember, God's taking care of you. He's watching you. You're, you're trying to steal my joy. I'm trying to close this and wrap this up, and yeah. you're trying to close. <laughs> Roy, I appreciate you so much. Reed, I appreciate you so much. Devon, I appreciate you so much. Thank um, you for having this, us. This has been a great conversation. You know, DSP is a topic that we will definitely return to and we'll talk more about, but I'm really excited about the good things that came out today. And I appreciate you all for being here and for all of our listeners. Tune in next time to Discussing Disability, a podcast hosted by Arkansas Support Network. Thank you. Stay good, bros. <laughs>